We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, folks, what's good? We are back. Another episode, Ain't No Seats podcast. And folks, the Kansas basketball Jayhawks put on an absolute clinic last night. Uh, absolutely steamrolled the in-state rival, K-State. It was beautiful to see. B-turn, A-B, B-turn, I'll start with you. How we, we started last pod talking about how great it was to just kind of sit back and relax, watch a game, not stress about losing. But this one was just like, it wasn't really relaxing. It was just like, I don't know. I was having so much fun watching a basketball game for the first time in a really, I mean, this team's been fun, but I was like, it was just fun the entire time. There was really no time I was stressed or anything. It was beautiful. Yeah, I know. Not much defense played, and we were obviously awesome the whole game. I think we probably scored 50 in both halves, and you score 53 in the first half, and you're only up 10, which was kind of shocking to me. But, yeah, the trio of – we talked about it for a few weeks now. The trio of Jalen, CB, and Oach has been incredible. And, obviously, if they play like that, I mean, I don't know who in the country can beat us. Yeah. I mean, it – we've said it many times it's like what if what if we what if we have a game where cb oach jalen all those guys click at the same time and things go well now we didn't we didn't really get dave last night so we still kind of can say that whole thing like what if those four guys all click at the same time it's it's hard to ask for that but yeah i mean you saw last night where if you were going to kind of lay out okay what's this team's route to the national championship how can they get there it's a tall task, but I think that route is those guys playing at that close to that level in March. Like it's can't expect that every night, but to just get some sort of that production out of those guys um, in March is the key, I think, to this team making a deep run. And it was just super exciting to see because it. I really don't think we've had a game where all three of them played that well, shot it that well. We're just locked in for forty minutes straight. Um, and a B. No drought. We did not go on an offensive drought, which we talked about last episode. And those guys weren't going to let it happen. If there were moments we missed shots, one of them would hit a shot. It was about time. It was good to see that. We'll be shoot like 65% for the game, and it never really dropped below that. I mean, that was insane. When I saw so at halftime, we were up, what, 10? Is that what it was? Yep. We were shooting like 66% in K-State was right around 40. And I was like a little bit scared because I didn't know how much better we could play, how much we could keep that going for a full game. But shit, I mean, maybe K-State just sucks on defense. But good God, that was – you tweeted it last night. Just a beautiful display of basketball. Yeah, they finished finished 41. We finished 41 of 64 from the floor, 64%. And 15 of 24 from three, 63%. So – yeah, it was like the second half was like a mirror image of the first half. Like you didn't think we could keep it up and kind of thought we'd yeah. come back down to earth in the second half. And just the, that big three of Jalen, CB, and Oach was insane. Yeah. They were – those three combined were – they had 60 points, 24 of 34 from the floor, 10 of 14 from three combined. Like it was amazing seeing Jalen uh, – I mean, it was just refreshing seeing him knock down jumpers again. He was three or four from three, and we've kind of talked about how – he's not going to stay around that 20% clip from three. He's obviously going to start yeah. making jump shots. And CB, you had 27 and five and Oach had 23, seven and five. So it's like yeah. two all league guys, first team, all league, probably going to be, Oach will be a first rounder. I don't know. CB eventually will, but those guys eventually yeah. going to be, I mean, all three are NBA score NBA guys. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Jalen, the thing about Jalen to me that has just blown my mind is he got off to that rough start, and I think it kind of like made people forget how good he was last year. And now all of a sudden, he's putting up easily first-team All-Big 12-type numbers, and I don't think he's going to get that. I don't think he's going to get that award or get that selection. I think there's other guys that will get it, but it's like if you really just look at conference play, the numbers Jalen Wilson's putting up for a team that's clearly the best team in the conference, uh, it's great. I mean, he's kind of slept on, which is weird because he was the, at times last year, he was like the star of our team, which, I mean, it's just CB and Oach have obviously taken such a big jump where I think Jalen's kind of flew onto the radar, but it would be huge if he just, we kind of get to just consistently see this style of Jalen the rest of the year. Um, but, we always say like guard plays the key in March. Now, I'll be honest, I don't really think of this type of guard play being the key to March. Like you're thinking of point guards handling ball. So like AB, you're the big March guy. Is this style of like do we have any examples of former national title teams that have kind of had this style of guard play where it's like three players that are very similar players? kind of all wings there's no dominant ball handler of the group that has just that's been good enough to lead your team all the way to a final four trying to think of that day say like 08 ku i mean i felt like we had like multiple guys handling the ball and it was never really like a single point guard um i know sharon you know mario russell but like those are three guys right there that were on the court 30 minutes a game at least so um i don't know i'm really bad at this like looking back at old champions and picking apart their roster but it was an I, absurd ask by me to throw you on the spot well, like that, but go no, ahead. It is what it is. It is what it is. But, I mean, it's certainly possible. I mean, it's – I mean, point guard's obviously the most important thing. We've seen it for years, but it's not like we have bad point guard play. It's not setting us back, which I think would be a worry. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I'm comfortable. And I'm sure we'll get to it, but Dewan and Joe have been playing just fine enough to kind of keep the yeah. tempo going, get the ball in the hands of the right players and go from Yeah, there. and I, I feel like we probably talked about this, but, like, I don't know about you guys, but the way I'm viewing Dewan, and I think B-Turn, you've probably said this, it's like I don't think people were melting down about Russell Robinson. And, I mean, Russell Robinson is obviously a senior. He'd been around the program. He'd started for two years. But I feel like him and Dewan play an incredibly similar role where the difference is Dewan is the guy always playing crunch time minutes where Sharon played a lot of crunch time minutes that year. But still, like – when you're surrounded with so much talent like Dewan is, it it's okay to not be an electric scorer. And I think if he he just he does the things Bill Self loves, which we said, and so if he can just continue to be solid, and he was really good last night, I thought. So I don't know. I just uh, I'm kind of talking myself into. We'll get more into the point guard talk, but I'm just talking myself into like we won a national title with Russell Robinson. Like why can't we? make a run with Dewan Harris. You don't have to have an all-American point guard to make a final four run. Yeah, and I feel like that's a pretty good pretty good comparison. I mean, it's not Russell Russell would hit occasional jumpers and he's a, I just looked, he was a 31% three-point shooter senior year when we won it all. So it's like Dewan doesn't the thing with Dewan is he doesn't hurt you. Like when does he really hurt you? He doesn't make terrible decisions. He has the best assist turnover ratio in the Big 12, I think still. Yeah. Like when he it's just added it's just like an added bonus like when he hits a jump shot he knocks open a he knocks down a, a wide open jump shot so it's like yeah and I, we just i just said like we have three nba level wing guards whatever you want to call them so it's like we don't need Dewan to be this electric scorer that for some reason our fans want him to be it's like it kind of feels like our fan base is just spoiled maybe point guard wise you know cuz yeah. it's like we went from frank dite devon dotson I mean, we've obviously had guys before that, Sharon, Tyshawn, things like that. So it's like maybe we're spoiled point guard-wise, but I don't really know what they want from Dewan right now because it's like a lot of fans want Remy for March, which is obviously we get that. But right now, who's going to play over Dewan? I mean, I feel like we wouldn't be that good defensively without him. And I think Joe's been a great spark off the bench. Joe was great last March for Drake, so maybe he'll do that late for us this year. But it's like I don't really – I don't know. Like I was hanging out with some of those guys after the game last night, and one of the guys was like, "Dude, we get so mad about the Dewan slander. Like we hate it because he's such a good kid and he works so hard, and we love him. Like they were those dudes were pissed off about it. So it's like, dude, 
I don't get I really don't get where the slander comes from because he doesn't really make mistakes, takes care of the ball, gets guys open looks, and it's not like he's the worst jump shooter in the country. He kind of knocks down occasional ones. Yeah. And I mean, I've thought that the whole year, like thinking about how frustrating would it be to be Dewan Harris, who you're a starting point guard on a team that's 22 and four, 23 and four. You lead the Big 12 by two games and you get on Twitter and hopefully he's not reading Twitter like we are, but it's like you're getting slandered all the time. And it's like, you're right. It's not like he's making big mistakes. And I honestly think Dewan makes so few mistakes. Now, this is a little bit of spin spin zone, so follow me here. I think he makes so few mistakes that when he makes a mistake, it's like you're ultra disappointed because it's like, I don't know. I don't know what analogy to make, but it's like the fact that he never turns the ball over, so when he does at the end of the first half of West Virginia dribble the ball out, off his foot, you're like, oh, this guy suck. But it's like, yeah, it just seems crazy because he never – it's like Tiger hitting a bat. Okay, wild, wild comparison. But it's like Tiger hitting a Eldrick. <laughs> I was going to compare him to your boy LeBron and be like, I mean, he's been awesome for 18 years. He had a bad series against Dallas, and everyone still harps on for that, me yeah. in particular. But it's like I, you just get so used to him putting up 30 and 7 and 7 a night or whatever it is that when yeah. he has two or three bad games in a row, a couple bad plays in a row, it's like it's so, so easy to target that because you never get the chance to. I love that we just compared DeJuan to LeBron and Tiger Woods, but it's you know, it's – it's what I'm saying. It's like very micro version of that where it's like Dewan just comes in, gets his assist, plays solid defense, and it's like he just he kind of blends in so well that you're not you're not loving him throughout the game, but you're also you're never really hating him. So when he does kind of have a stretch of bad play, it's like it really stands out. And I think that's that's part of the reason the fan base has had such a hard time. I don't know. It's weird because he's extremely likable. Like there's yeah. just nothing and I get it. I I was guilty of kind of being like, man, I like Dewan. He needs to play, but does he need to play 35 minutes? But I think we've been a broken record on this, but I think what we've seen the last few weeks is it's like, accept it. This is it. This is who we're going in as. So just mm -hmm. either complain for the rest of the year and pretend you're a better coach than Bill Self or just go all in on Dewan Harris being a really good point guard at everything besides maybe scoring and that's okay because he plays with ochi cb jalen and dave like yeah. yeah so that's where i'm at and also it's like what we love joe like joe's been awesome lately but what has joe really done to separate himself from dewan anyways it's not like joe's coming in lighting it up like hitting a bunch of threes like shooting this crazy percentage from the floor and dewan i think some like something that's super underrated with this team is the chemistry thing with dewan it's like him, Oach, and CB, they played for Mocan together. CB and him have played together since they were kids. Like, CB was a huge reason Dewan came here. So, yeah. it's like that chemistry thing is huge, and they all played together last year, like have a whole year under their belt playing together. So, it's like I feel like that's a super underrated part people don't really talk about. And it's like last night he had six points, seven assists. He doesn't take terrible shots. Like, I feel yeah. like the shots he misses are floaters or layups. or It's not like he's chucking shots. Like, he'll pass up wide open shots and things like that. Yeah, and I think which – go ahead. I will say, like, I don't want him to pass up, like, pass up wide open shots. Like, I think that's where he can hurt us, where if a defense is going to just completely ignore him, that's where we are screwed because then they're sagging down on Dave. They're helping off on Oates. They're hoping off, helping off on CB. So, like, Dwan – and I think this is what Russell – to go back to Russell Robinson, I think what Russell Robinson did good is he just picked his spots. Like, he wasn't going to go force a shot, which I think is what you were kind of saying. Like, Dwan doesn't go force shots, but he also – he has to be ready to shoot when he gets that open look because if he's not, then teams are just going to continue to ignore him, and that's where he really hurts our offense. So, um, but, yeah. You're right. He and yeah, I never really thought about the chemistry thing, but him and there are some plays where he makes with CB where it's like, I don't know if anyone else in the gym really saw that coming. Like Dewan and him just have a pretty good chemistry when it comes to like throwing lobs and and fast breaks and stuff like that. So yeah, Dewan's, that's where I'm at. Dewan's thirty one percent from uh, three this year, by the way, same as Russell Robinson. And wow. I mean, Russell, that was probably a, obviously a better team. We had probably, I mean, I guess a more balanced team scoring-wise. But I think DeWant, like they're both 
pretty they can be lockdown defenders when they want to be and I just don't get where the Dewan hate comes from like we said I don't know who would play over him Remy's obviously hurt doesn't even play not on the floor so it's like Joe it's not like Joe's this all-american type guard that has been going yeah. nuts all year so it's like and I'll never understand the Dewan hate and I don't I'm not sure what he can do to get that hatred away from our fans almost and I don't want to I don't want this to sound like like Joe, Joe doesn't deserve slander either. Like what Joe's been able to do, you know how hard it is to sit on the bench all season, have Bill Self be mentally in your head for every time you make a mistake, he got pulled immediately and he's like battled through that and continued to work really hard in practice. That's been all the, the talk is that this dude never, like he never pouted, he never gave up. And he's now, if we're all in agreement that Remy's probably not coming back, it's like, Joe is our guy. Joe is our backup point guard and he's been good. Like he, but he also, I think it's unfair when people are like, Joe should be starting or Joe should be playing. I don't know if people say starting, but they're like, Joe should be playing just as many minutes as the one. It's just like, that's unrealistic and honestly kind of unfair to Joe. Um, Joe's a great spark off the bench. AB, you meant, I, you mentioned that play. What was that last night where he just, yeah. He can get up the floor so quick. Yeah. And it's like, that's the, I love that type of spark off the bench where like maybe the offense is kind of slowing down. You're lagging and all of a sudden Joe breaks free for a fast break. And I feel like he's had like steals multiple games where it's kind of been in big moments that West Virginia steal where they didn't even catch it on camera, which was bananas, but he (laughs) uh, just snuck in and got it. So I don't know. I love Joe. I've loved him all year. I think I kind of just hate, I hate the whole point guard thing going on with KU right now. The takes, the fan base opinions. Yeah. Well, um, it's it's probably – do you guys think it's just because people had such high expectations for Remy at the point guard position going into it, and then he just hasn't really done shit all year? So people are – what they expected going into the year, they're just not transforming their opinion into what we actually have now. Because, I mean, people still beg for Remy. What's the fucking point? Honestly, <laughs> like what – what is it going to improve that? Like we have the most efficient offense analytically with Bill Self that since 2017, and that team was sick. That's yeah, it's like so. Like if Remy's going to come in, we're going to get worse defensively and marginally better offensively. Like I, I just I don't get it. So like quit trying to expect Dewan and Joe to put up Remy numbers or what we thought Remy was going to do back in like yeah. September, and just appreciate what they are doing because we have like you guys have said a hundred times three other guys that can put up 25 at any point any game. Dude, is it not crazy that he was Big 12 preseason player of the year? Like, he came into a stack. Everyone says it's the best conference in the country. There's three top ten teams right now, and, like, KU's a one seed. Baylor could be somehow a one seed, takes a two seed, and Remy Martin transfers into the Big 12 with all these good-ass players, and his name Big 12 preseason player of the year, and we're this good without him. Yeah. It is crazy. And did you guys see me uh... – I threw out a tweet last week that was like, hey, so if KU wins the Big 12 by two-plus games, like who wins Big 12 Coach of the Year, Bill Self or Mark Adams? I think it's Mark Adams. I You're not going to catch mile. me. You're not going to catch me being mad about Mark Adams winning the Big 12. But when you think about what B-Turn just said, Bill Self's got a two-game lead. He was picked to win the league. He's now going to win the league, but he's pick, he was picked to win the league with the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year on his team, and now that player doesn't play, and he's still going to win the league by multiple games. So I'm not saying Bill Self should win it, but I will say, what if what if Tech drops another one and we went out? We win it by three-plus games. We go 16-2. We go and two. I'm telling you, you got to consider old Bill if that scenario happens. I know, especially when they got blown out in that USC game, and it's basically the same team as last year. Like it just, it just shows you like how amazing he is at developing guys. Ochai's yeah. a national player of the year candidate. Probably wasn't going to get drafted last year. It would have been close, but now he's definitely a first rounder. Maybe Lotto, CB is. I mean, he's turned into a first team All League guy. Um, Jalen's obviously a lot better. So it's like, yeah, Bill, just Bill developing guys and. Um, I think it's just – I feel like we know it's tough some year to give Bill Big 12 Coach of the Year because he could probably win it every year just because we win the league so much. But yeah, I agree. Kind of like, like Lebr- LeBron deserving MVP every year, right, we've, AB? We've had enough LeBron talk for tonight. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, <laughs> um, Peter. 
Yeah, it's like we, we had a guy transfer in that was going to be – I mean, we thought – at least I thought he was a sure in for 15 points a night, probably a all-league guy, maybe a – I mean, I thought he made us – I thought he was the sole reason we were a national championship contender. Like, we had the same team back, but we had a potential all-American point guard coming in. And, yeah, he hasn't – I mean, he hasn't really done anything or contributed at all in Big 12 plays. So, it's like – obviously, we're homers. We can make the argument for Bill to win it every single year and especially this year they're going to be a one seed and they might only lose two conference games yeah yeah i mean like i said mark adams deserves it him sweeping texas texas was such a power move um yeah he's awesome he's fine it's just it i just remember thinking like everyone raves about the big 12 big 12 big 12 big 12 and now bill self has a chance to if you win saturday kind of dominate this league and won't even really get votes for big 12 coach of the year, which is just, I don't know. It's tough. It's, it's weird. But as a Kansas podcast felt like we have to throw it out there and give a little fight for our guy, Bill. Um, <laughs> speaking of Bill, how hilarious was it that he very much wanted to score a hundred last night when he, yeah. when CB hit that three to hit a hundred and bill just was like, timeout walk-ons go in. I was like, yes, I love that. I don't know if that was like a spite Bruce Weber move thinking it's the last time he'll go off against Bruce. I don't know if that's just like a statement wanting to put a, a hundred on the board, but I loved it because Bill does normally not do those things. You sometimes see T hand in with three forty left in the, in the game. So I loved it. Absolutely. Yeah. loved it. I saw the tweets about it. I actually left with like four minutes or so. So I kind of missed, I didn't even get to see that part of the game. So I guess if you guys have, I mean, you noticed that, it, but... right, AB? Absolutely. The, it was immediate, immediate time like, out. Cause I was like, for the final three or four minutes, I was kind of getting frustrated. Like, we're up, we've never been more in control of a game. Like, what is Ochai still doing out there? What is CB still doing out there? Like, what yeah. are we doing? And then just the immediate, like before the ball was even through the net, there was a timeout to get it going. So, yeah, yeah I, you know, after the fact, I did appreciate it, but um, it, was it was definitely noticeable when you were watching it, no doubt. Second yeah. time ever dropping 100 plus against K State. That's pretty wild. And the last team to do it was, I mean, it's wild because we've just absolutely pumped them every year forever. But uh, the fact that this team did it in the 2002. Kansas team, which is the most electric offense in Kansas history. It's like, I don't know. It's kind of cool to put this team, to think about this team. Now, they're not that good offensively, but if you, I mean, if you're trying to find positives with this team, it's like they hung 100 on Missouri and Kansas State this year. That's pretty cool. And like, if you look back on this team, that's going to be one thing you're remembering. Like, yeah, you know, maybe we don't get it done in March, but it's like they had a really fun offense. So, uh, I love that. I know Bill maybe didn't love last night's pace of play or just the style of play, which Bruce Weber. I don't know if it was Bruce Weber or just his players or us. Why did they try and play at that pace? Like they were allowing that to happen by just taking chucking threes. It was crazy. That's what I think a lot of people were. Uh, I feel like a lot of people were disappointed in our defensive effort, but it's like, if you're scoring every possession, you really <laughs> like you're exhausting that much energy on offense. I really, I mean, it's not going to bother me. We won by 20. I just, there was someone that tweeted me earlier that was like, it was a K-State fan too, I think. They were like, with this, with KU's defense, like there's no way they can make a run in March. I'm like, dude, they just had three dudes combined for 60 and score 100 plus. Like, what do you, what do you want them to do? They covered. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it was kind of annoying. The the fact that in the first half this year against K-State, we gave up, 93 points combined. Um, that's not great, but it's also like Nigel Pack is the best player. Dude, in the game. dude turns into Steph Curry when he plays against us, which God, I want him to transfer. And I, B turn, I think you said to Kansas, which yes, I would take that. <laughs> I wanted but, to see what people said. How much, I mean, would he be the most hated person ever by that fan base? Can you imagine a K state basketball player transferring to Kansas? Imagine what they do to him when they when they storm the court if they ever beat KU. I mean, he's getting absolutely clotheslined. Uh, shout out, what's his face? Can't remember his name, but Nathan. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, Jim, so I uh, speaking of defense, though, AB, you've been all over it all year. Ken Palm efficiency rating, right? Like, got to be top. I don't know. Give us a stat. 
give us an update because it's fair to say that defense is the thing that can prevent this team from making a big run. So give us the update. Yeah, we crept up a little bit after Westfall and then kind of dropped back a little bit last night. But um, yeah, I was looking at the numbers. It's, it's 17 of the last 19 champions have been top 20 in both offense and defense. And the only two that weren't were Baylor last year and they were 22nd. So they're right there. And then that UConn team and was it 2014 where that tournament was just bananas and it was like a seven and an yeah. eight seed. So like, and they're just such an back. outlier. It's right. like hard to even. Yeah. So. so it's like, it is still concerning, I guess, but I mean, if you can put up a hundred points, I mean, yeah. it, it's going to, the numbers are going to look worse than they actually are. Like you guys just said, like if you more points equals more shots, more shots equals, you know, so did, I just did, it was Baylor, was Baylor 22 in offense defense? What? I thought they had like the best defensive team in the country last year, but I do think there's a little bit to like when your offense just clicks the way theirs did at times last year and like ours last night. It's like you don't you don't try as hard defensively when you just feel pretty good about Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell going out and just getting a bucket. And it's like kind of how we were last night. I think Oach and CB were kind of content just maybe playing a little less defense last night knowing they were going to come down and hit a three in someone's face so yeah i those i do like really get hung up on those little things though like numbers are numbers and if you start to see a consistent trend over time now two out of the last eight didn't happen that way so i guess it's but i don't know where are we defensively like 30 i want to say we're like 35 is what it was last night. Obviously, that could have changed with games tonight, but um, yeah. I mean, it's all pretty close. We were in the top. I think we're twenty-seven or twenty-eight after Westfall. So, I mean, it can yeah. change quickly if we have a good two weeks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, I feel like we we used to talk about Oach kind of being an elite defender, like the 2020 year when we should have won it all. He was really good, and last year we talked about him being. I just think he's exerting so much energy on offense too, where he has he doesn't really play defense. And then last night, it's like that game was just at a crazy pace, and every yeah. team. I mean, both teams were getting great looks, getting looks in transition. K State knocked down a bunch of tough jumpers, but I still think. I mean, we've talked about. It, I still think Bill get these can get these guys to buy in defensively, like. March is a whole different animal. It's like, who knows? These guys could start locking down March. It's not like – I don't think we're terrible defensively. Like, I could see no. CB, Oach, and Dewan locking down defensively, and I don't know. I just feel like I just, Bill can get these guys to buy in eventually. I know it's late in the year, but I, I feel like he's going to kind of imprint in their brain that you got to lock in defensively if you want to go on a run because it's like – got Got to guard gonna, somebody. You're giving up 80 plus to K State and 50 in the first half and 43 in the first half. Like, you do, you give up 40 or 50 in a tournament game in the first half, you're in trouble, probably. Yeah. Uh, all right. I got a, I got a scenario that just came to my mind as we talked about that. 
Now, I think I know the answer. This is probably a dumb scenario. But, so let's say we're in a second round of March. We are playing a team like Alabama. Electric offense when they're on. You know what I'm, I mean? Chucking threes, they make a ton of them. Would you rather, if I tell you it's a game in the 80s or 90s, or would you rather play like a, a low, grinded out, gross game that's in the 50s, low 60s? Like, which one are you wanting more? Because normally I think we'd say we want the low, grinded out, Bill Self, let him out coach the guy in the final minute versus the offensive absolute shot for shot, just chaotic game. But I don't know. This year, are we leaning towards let's let's ride our offense and pray? Like, is that the obvious answer? AB? I actually kind of disagree with that. Yeah, that's why like it's I, a scenario. Well, it's just with the Alabama team specifically, I guess. But any team that's like their strength is offense, like I just trust our talent more than any eight or nine seed we're going to see. And if it's a lower scoring, lower possession game, I just trust, and I'm going to trust Bill more than any coach that we're going to go against in that scenario. So, like, I, I just feel like there's more of a variance if you're playing a high scoring game where they hit a couple threes in a row late, where it's you know we're up by five the whole game, they hit yeah. a couple shots. But if you pull out five point lead and it's a sixty two fifty seven, that feels like it's more over than eighty seven eighty two. No. Yeah. Especially yeah. with how. No. Especially with how electric our offense is, like I would trust us to just outscore someone in a shootout than our right. defense Wait. to get stops late. So, so wait, wait, which one do you lean on? B turn. You like want the, the high scoring? I just think we can oh. out, we can outscore anyone. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough because I mean, every other year we're saying we got to play low score and we got to get stops. Like that's what Bill wants. But this is the rare time where. Maybe you do. I don't know. Just came to my mind as we were talking about defense and like. I mean, I trust you know. Bill out coaching anyone, but I also would kind of be nervous about a game that came down to getting stops. I guess if that's what you're asking, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's basically it's basically coming down to can we outscore someone for 40 straight minutes, or can we grind a game out and just get more stops than them in the final two minutes of a game. Like, I guess I I'm know. looking at it differently, though, like a combination of the two. Like, I trust our offense to go outscore a team in a low-scoring game for Ochai in a, you know, if there's only yeah. 60, 60 points wins the game. Like, I trust Och, I trust CB, even Dave, Jalen, all those guys to just get a couple key baskets late That's to true. just yeah. pull ahead later where, you know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. I didn't expect yeah. when you brought it up. I didn't expect to actually debate it, but uh, I'm two two weeks in a row. I just came at you with fire uh, scenarios. <laughs> um, speaking of March, let's get into a little bracketology. I mean, since we talked last week, things have really gone well for us. I mean, Auburn lost, uh, Kentucky lost. Um, we're pretty firmly on a one on the one line. I don't think anyone's really questioning that right now. It's now. I mean, I think does Lenardi have us Midwest, AB? Yeah, I think we're three overall in the Midwest because uh, Gonzaga and Arizona. They're not going to throw them in Chicago. Yeah, um, but it's. Not, I do have yeah. a question about that for you guys. Mm-hmm. I thought about this in the shower today. I think that there's like a fairly decent chance that if we win on Saturday, that we can get up into like number one overall range. And I say that because Gonzaga, they got two games this week. And last time I called my shot on a Gonzaga loss when they were super good, it happened. BYU beat them a few years ago. 2020. Yeah, they go to San Francisco tomorrow, who's I think 25th in Ken Palm, I want to say. And then they go to St. Mary's on Saturday night, which is always a tough place for them. And they're I think they're ranked this week. So, like, their two toughest games of the year are probably their next two. And so you're if, if they lose one of those, we saw with Auburn. So on Saturday with the selection committee thing, they said that there was a sizable gap between the top three and us. Like we were kind of just like the bottom one very clearly. Yeah. And then you saw Auburn lose on Saturday and we jumped them like immediately just by beating West Virginia. I don't even think we'd beaten West Virginia before we hopped them. No. So yeah. it's like if a loss changes that much that quickly, I don't know how big the gap is between Gonzaga but if they're losing to a team that's 25th, 30th, you know, in the rankings or analytically, yeah. got to think that 
you know, with a top 10 win on the road for us, that would kind of make the margins closer. And we have opportunities down the road in the Big 12 that they don't in the West Coast. It's just a thought yeah. that came to my mind. So I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I'm overthinking it. it. It probably won't happen. Gonzaga's sick. They'll probably win by 20 both nights. But I did what get if, myself excited a little bit thinking about that. What if they didn't win the conference tournament? It's kind of the same scenario. They probably lose to one of those two teams. Yeah. I do so. think if Gonzaga loses another game, I mean, I know they've only got two losses and one of them's the Duke, but Alabama's not in a, a great loss. I mean, it, Alabama's beaten some incredible teams this year, so they looks fine. But it's also like if if you're going to give the number one overall seed to a team that plays that week of a conference schedule, you feel like they've got to go undefeated, right? Like I'd be interested to look mm-hmm. back on other years where Gonzaga's uh, – I don't know. Was last year the only time they've been the number one overall? I'm sure they've been at other times. But, I mean, i got to think the years they have, they've probably ran the table or at least ran the final 15 – 12 games of their season um so yeah i think it's possible and i mean i was gonna just throw that out there if we went out which i keep saying that like it's gonna happen because i've talked myself into it but it's like if we went out we are absolutely in my mind the number two overall seed like i don't know if gonzaga wins out and we went out and I'm talking regular season, so I'm not even factoring Big 12 tournament. But like, if we went out regular season, we should be the number two overall seed at least heading into the conference tournaments. Do you think that would be the case? Probably. I mean, I I'm not going to act like I know much about Arizona and they're like quad one wins or whatever. But I would just think with the conference that we're in overall as a whole, compared to the Pac-12, that yeah, we would probably hop them. But I mean, don't quote me on that. That's just me. I mean, assuming if, things. Obviously, if they beat Baylor Saturday, like it gets super realistic that they do win out in the regular season. I mean, at TCU can be tough, but we don't lose so much. And then, if <laughs> we, they, yeah. I mean, if they do end up, if they do end up winning the Big Twelve tournament, like they're probably going to end up beating what two or three tournament teams, and probably a, you'd probably have to beat Tech or Baylor, who are both two seeds right now. So it's like the resume could still get a lot better too. I mean, now I'm getting outrageous but if we went out including the big 12 tournament i think we should be the number one overall seed even if gonzaga does i think they still give it to gonzaga just because they're they probably would because it's like if you don't lose yeah but i mean man our resume number two would be like yeah a huge thing stay away from i really i really want yeah i want the two um i want midwest because so in the initial reveal that we saw this Saturday, we were east, right? And that had yeah. Kentucky as our two and Villanova as our three. If Villanova beats Kentucky, we're playing Villanova in the Elite Eight game in Philadelphia, yeah. which, I mean, I what saw an incredible track record we have for right. Villanova in the tournament. So that would go well. Especially in the Elite Eight. <laughs> yeah. So, like – I think we want to maybe – I my goal, and we're getting picky because really I just want a one seed, but, like, if I'm getting picky, like, the East seems scary because it seemed – Kentucky could probably go Chicago or East, um, but if they're giving Villanova the East, they're – that's a terrifying thought with it being in Philly. I feel like – I don't know. I feel like there's a pretty good chance we're the one in the Midwest. Am I wrong, AB? Like, I feel like – I feel like we're going to be a one and we're going to end up being like the second or third overall number one. So it's like we yeah. talked about earlier, Arizona would probably get the South or whatever. Um, Wisconsin or uh, Gonzaga would get the West and then that would leave us with probably it's the Auburn. Midwest, right? Auburn's yeah. been getting the Midwest. Yeah. And there's, there's still a lot true. to happen too. I mean, if we lose on Saturday, we're having a completely different conversation. Um, yeah. If we're even, cause I mean, shit. What if if we lose on Saturday? Does Baylor hop us? I know because I think they're they're the first two seed right now. At least last I time so. I looked, they were the first or second. They were the fifth overall seed. So, and if Auburn was dropping from two to four after a loss to Florida, like I mean, how, obviously a loss to Baylor isn't that bad, all things considered. Yeah, but how like much... when Baylor's right there, they could I could absolutely see them hopping us because they'll just yeah. use that they weren't healthy when they played us the first time. And then they beat us. But, I mean, it's probably just we're talking about this for no reason because if much, one of those teams is getting a one seed, it's probably going to come down to the championship in Kansas City, right? Yeah, because it's true. like how much does a loss in Waco against a top-ten team really hurt us? 
It doesn't really hurt us. It's more of like a benefit to them, I would think. Yeah. It's the yeah, fact that it's against Bailey. Yeah. 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 It's us losing and then them adding an incredible win to their resume that, that hurts us the most. So, if yeah, it's. Do, if we it's lose Saturday, do you guys think we drop? Like, what would, what would you guess? If we lose Saturday, do we go to a two and Baylor hops us? I think Purdue would hop us. Okay. Just because, like, Baylor's the fifth overall and they would be beating Are they right like, now? They're the fifth overall right now over Purdue? I thought it, I thought they were because um, they Man. were the first number two seed. And then I'm going to look at Lenardi's thing. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean – it's obviously it's fun to talk about this stuff, but it take. I mean, even if we win Saturday, we could be absolutely yeah, hyped, just going nuts, and then we lose at TCU, and now you're like, uh, what do we do now? So it's well, kind of crazy. Lenardi's well, five is Baylor, six is Kentucky, seven Purdue, eight Tech. So Baylor's the first two seed right now, according to Lenardi. So wow. if that's the case, then I mean, obviously, yeah. I don't know the gap between them, but. I would think that they would probably hop onto the one line. I don't know if they'd replace us necessarily, but I mean, yeah. What are the odds? Like three through six is pretty wide open right now. What are the odds of getting two Big Twelve teams as one seeds? Good, possible, like possible. Baylor wins. Yeah, Baylor wins Saturday, and then either of us winning Kansas City. I would think both teams have a strong enough resume, but I don't know. It's that's the problem with bracketology at this point because it really doesn't matter until championship yeah. week but yeah there's just so much that could theoretically happen um you yeah. but it's fun to talk about i could i don't know i could definitely see it all right so we we asked a bunch we asked people to send in questions and honestly we're probably not going to have time to answer all of them but one uh from breck fox shout out he asked when we get to tourney time in march uh so we're gonna what's a three or four seed team that scares you I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm laughing. What's a three or four seed team that scares you in the second weekend? Uh, I feel like it would be four or five, right? Yeah, so he said three, four seed, but we just saw how easy we can drop to a two if we lose this weekend. So uh, I've got a scenario. If we're Midwest playing Wisconsin in Chicago, where it's probably going to be a good amount of wisconsin fans i don't think they're that great but they do have studs on that team Hell and yeah. that annoying mofo brad davison that's been there for a decade and a half and i can't think the of the dude's name yeah they've like, got a concussed coach though i mean he got true. absolutely rocked by Jawan howard so mm-hmm. <laughs> but that just that scenario in general with like playing in chicago like an hour and a half away from their campus uh yeah i'll tell you mine Mine, I think, is Tennessee. I watched them against Kentucky last week. They're good. And if they're like – I think they're on a three or four line right now, they kind of terrify me. Um, Barnes just always has athletic, fast, big dudes that I think could give us problems. So Tennessee is absolutely a team that I'm kind of worried about. Uh, if they pop up on a bracket. Wisconsin, I don't know. Wisconsin I'd probably be happy about because – but. They do have a potential player of the year, and they have Brad Davidson, who would be just wild. It's a typical guy to make every shot he takes yeah. against us in the tournament. So, um, I think when you when we talked about this question before the pod, I think Houston immediately popped mm-hmm. in my mind. Like they, I feel like that's a terrible matchup for us. I think they're super good defensively. I think their guards are really good, Sasser and Edwards, and then they have just super athletic bigs like. So they would scare me because we talked about maybe getting in a shootout, like high scoring or low school. Like, I feel like they could defend us and they would be tough to defend. So I think Houston scares me. Yeah. And I know like we're <laughs> back and forth on analytics, but they're top five. <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> I'm sorry. Ryan said he'd be pumped to play Houston a couple weeks ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who did? Ryan did. I did. They're scared. Yeah. They're top seven in both Ken Palm they're and Torvik. Like they're – Analytics love them, is what the it is. Did analytics team. love them last year? I think so. Because I was, I hated on Houston all year last year, too. But people forget they made the Final Four and didn't yeah. play. I mean, they didn't play one good team for the final three months of the season. Literally. Yeah. That would remind me of like Wichita State when we lost to them in the second round. How they were our, were they a seven or a 10? 
Uh, they were a seven. Yeah. They were a seven seed and they were 10th in Ken Palm or something like that. Like, yeah, that's the probably thing it would remind me of, I guess. It's just a highly rated analytic team that doesn't play a lot of competition in the regular season. So they don't build their resume too much, but they're like sneaky way better than their seed line would show. I mean, they're the sixth ranked Ken, Ken Palm team. Like, <laughs> yeah, being probably. Four or five, it's crazy. Like, <laughs> it's I insane. They, use the, they use the fifth. Like, they're kind of right on our ass Ken Palm wise. So, mm-hmm. I, th- I, I just think they're scary. Ken Palm. I just think they're scary athletically, I guess. Like, they would be able to defend us. And I really, they would score. I feel like they would score a lot of points on us just because we're not great defensively. They're but, second. So like, Second in Torvik, and the gap between them and Gonzaga is smaller than the gap between Houston and us. Hmm. That's so certainly that, that's a terrifying Sweet 16 matchup if it happens. I think, you especially guys if we're in like me. San Antonio or something, which I, I don't just, think is likely, but it's possible. Yeah, I, I just can already picture them being our four or five, and I'd be pissed. Like I'd be freaking out watching brackets <laughs> halt, like watching the selection show, which is uh. crazy how close Selection Sunday is. I know. I have Jim Gaffigan like performing a comedy show behind him or something. He can't stop giggling. No, I'm just. (laughs) Oh shit! I'm just laughing that. No, when when I first said Houston and you started laughing, I thought about the bracketology that dude tweeted the other day, where he he had. Oh my god! I think he had Houston as the one or two seed. It was so funny. He had us as like a three seed. Uh, It was. It was tough. Was it a troll? Overall, no, oh, man. I feel bad but he had like guy. 67 followers, and his bio was like <laughs> expert bracket. I mean, I don't even know how that guy's bracket made our timeline, but like, I wanted to be mad at it, but I just couldn't <laughs> stop laughing when I saw Houston on the one was... line. But the thing, what if he put like two days of work into that, like 48 hours? He's got his <laughs> yeah. glasses on, studying analytics, like looking, he's at probably. Music. I mean, he could be like Jesse Newell, who just bases it big time on things like Ken Palm, Torvik, those things. Like, I don't know. Maybe shot Houston quality. is a one seed looking at looking at shot quality. But yeah, it, was All it right. was it my guy on YouTube that would like every single day for the like month leading up to March would look at bracketology and then predict the bracket from there? Dude, me and AB used to sit at his house and watch this kid on YouTube. Oh, I remember would, this. He would like do his Celtic own bracketology. You guys bullied he, him. No. no, we didn't. We didn't say a word. I watched but, every like, video he put out. We were his like biggest we made, fans. I feel like we made fun of him a lot. Well, we did. He created <laughs> a new, yeah. He created a new bracket every day and filled out that bracket and gave analysis on every hypothetical game. It what was that, incredible. Like an hour, like an hour long. <laughs> yeah, yes. dude. They're like 20, 30 minutes each, and he would just like Gonzaga uh, Prairie View A and M potentially. He'd go through the play in games, everything. It was it was fantastic. He'd like I pick gotta find big up. He's still going, then I gotta watch one of those tonight. He'd pick like big upsets. He'd be like, Hey, I really like this uh <laughs> nine seed Florida State in this matchup. It was like, dude. Which is what we're doing right now. So I don't know why we're making right. fun of him. But it's like it's so fun to make up hypotheticals for brackets. Like that's why March is the best. But Can you imagine getting on his YouTube and he has like a million subscribers now. I need you to find him, and I need to see his analysis for this season. I'm not even trying. I'm not even trying to be a dick, but how boring is that kid's life? Like he sat there all day making making brackets. Like he probably went over the matchups before he even made the video. Like that's his whole day probably consisted of brackets. I don't know. I'm kind of jealous if that. Yes. Y'all can't see him. Super Celtic twenty four baby seven. New. I thought. 7.26 7.26 subscribers. Well, yeah. 6,000. Go. What a what a stud. Okay, He's let's going, wrap looking, this looking up. Like every three or four days, he had <laughs> big game Saturday. He's doing it. Know. Yeah, dude. He had he put one up yesterday. Bracketology. We might great. we might have to do we might have to do a live video of us watching his video. You guys want to hear um, his elite eight? Yes, quickly. Arizona, Wisconsin, KU, Kentucky, Gonzaga, Duke, Auburn, Villanova. It's chalky chalk but he likes villanova um to play in philly so that's an Mm -hmm. interesting pick um all right we got a few minutes left here let's do a little baylor preview i've kind of hinted at it for the last two weeks i'm telling you guys right now and ab i want you if you don't have it to find me the line or ken palm projection for that um i just think the hawks are gonna win it's a bill self 
it's what he does. He wins these games late in the Big 12 season. It's a game that essentially I don't it doesn't officially clinch the league, but it pretty much does. Um, it just I get the vibe that if this team's gonna be dangerous in March, like we hope they are, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna win. And we killed them like three weeks ago. So I'm well, feeling pretty good about it. <laughs> Shot quality, dude. Fifty percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So B turn, do you am I too confident? Am I I mean, where are you where are you feeling? I think it kind of depends. Like, yeah, we blew them out a few weeks ago, but I think it could be a completely different Baylor team if LJ Cryer plays. I think their guards are amazing and I mean it's a massive game, like top ten mass up matchup in Waco. Their crowd's gonna be nuts because if they win, Big 12 race is back. Like we're one game up. We split the season series. There's going to be three games to play. And, I mean, we're at TCU and Texas. So, it's like Big 12 race would be back. Um, I don't know. LG, I mean, uh, Flagler, watching Flagler on Monday, and that dude get hot super quick. Kendall Brown's pretty good. Akinjo sucked against us. And I think wow. he's a huge factor, too, because I think Fran said his knee was messed up. He looked terrible against Oklahoma State. So, if he's not healthy, and I don't know the update on Cryer at all, like – he didn't play against Oklahoma State. I think he was close to going, but he didn't end up playing. And then um, I know Sohan, I don't know his first name for Baylor. Like some people have him as a lottery pick, and he's like their – Yeah. Wow. So some people have him – or he's like the uh, – he's like their – I don't even know if he starts or not, but he's like their sixth or seventh leading scorer. So I think – and then Matthew Meyer will probably hit 10 threes just because I hate him so much. But <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just a huge game. Top 10 matchup in Waco. We win. Big 12's obviously over. So I, I think yeah. it's going to be an awesome game. That's, yeah. I don't really have a prediction, I guess. So, AB, what, what is the Kim Palm line? Uh, he's got his plus four. Um, so, I mean, we've certainly won games where we were bigger underdogs. Certainly lost games where we were bigger favorites. So, Wait, I don't know. Cool. I mean – What'd you say? What's the spread? Four. That was on Four? Torvik. I just had Torvik pulled up, so it might be yeah. different on Ken Palm, but they're usually pretty similar. Um, I don't know. I mean, like you said, we've seen this story a million times where we have a road game late in conference season where we're slight dogs and we go in and win. Texas Tech yeah. with Devontae. Baylor yep. in 2020. Like it just happens would, almost every year, it feels like. So I would absolutely hammer Bill plus four against Scott Drew. I would, me, yeah, I bet, I bet that's day. down. I bet that's closer to like one or two by tip, but yeah. who well, knows? Well, it depends. Uh, on on Friday, is Scott going to talk to Fran about missed calls? Or I guess the Bills <laughs> this time. Oh, yeah. get, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but they're probably going to get a really good whistle in Waco after the game we played in Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, that 30-point win, the the whistle we got that allowed us to win by 30 was incredible. So they, they deserve a good whistle. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I will say this. So obviously I'm talking Bill self history. It's just what he does. He wins these games, but also how worried are we that we just shot 15 of what from three? I mean, we 24. I'm a law of averages guy. It feels like we're going to clank some threes, but I don't necessarily think that's how we win the game Saturday. Like I feel like it's going to be a grinded out get stops type win. Um, and I think that's what this team needs right now is get get prepped for a game in March where your offense isn't at its best because it's going to happen. It's going to be absolutely terrifying. So if you can go in and win one and wake up, you'll be about as battle-tested as you can possibly get if the shots aren't falling. So I said that immediately last night after the game, like, ooh, that was fun, but did we just uh, kind of hurt our chances with Baylor when it comes to law of averages? But – We'll see. I feel like we're gonna oh. have to be we're gonna have to be pretty good defensively on Saturday. I don't yeah. know why. I just kind of got that feeling like Baylor's got a ton of scores, and we're obviously not gonna duplicate that same performance the other day. And and Akinjo, what did he go one of eleven against? Oh, of 11, like something he was yeah horrible, terrible. So yeah, he's, he's gonna he's gonna make shots. So I just think if I don't know, like I feel like it could go a bunch of different ways because it's like, what if Akinjo's hurt? still and Cryer doesn't play like I feel great about us but what if yeah. Akinjo's back close to 100% and Cryer plays like Cryer's I think he was their leading scorer he's one he's close him and Flagler both average 13 I think so. yeah 
Yeah, I mean, my thing with Cryer is even if he comes back, how effective is he really going to be? But he's still, I mean, he just you got to give him a lot of attention, which helps helps the other guys. So, um, but I'm not going to give my prediction of saying the Hawks win without you guys giving your prediction. So lay it out there. B turn. Who you got? Like, are we taking the spread or who do who or do you want me to say who wins? I want you to say both. I want you to take spread and I want you to say who wins. If you're not I'm ready, a- AB, go ahead. I'm always going to take Bill Self plus four, especially against Scott Drew in a huge, massive game. Like, Bill knows we can wrap up the Big 12. Um, so I would definitely take the points, but I still, I still don't feel confident saying we're going to win. So <laughs> I don't fair. know. I will take KU plus four. That's it. All right. AB. I'll take Baylor, and I don't think it'll be the worst thing in the world. Um, I mean, if we – so we win Saturday, like we've talked about, we're probably going to win out in the regular season. Like, yeah. it gets to a point where with the schedule we have, I wouldn't hate a loss to kind of get us off because it would be like a 10, 11, 12-game win streak, something like that, going into the tournament. Like, yeah, kind of set us back, wake us up a little bit. Uh not that I'm rooting for us to lose. Obviously, if they win, I'll be as juiced as anyone. But um, I don't know. It's yeah. tough to pick against, you know, pick Scott Drew over Bill Self. But I'll take uh, I'll take Baylor by five. I, guess. I think you. I think you definitely. I like that take. I mean, if you're gonna pick one, say we lose one more game before March, this is the. Worst. I'd rather it be this one than losing Kansas City in the Big Twelve tournament, just because winning the Big Twelve tournament is just fun. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna enjoy Championship Week, you want to be there and you want to be in it. So yeah, and it's hard to believe this team if they went out and then win the Big Twelve tournament. Like, are they winning their final <laughs> twenty games of the season? Like I don't know. So yeah, don't hate that. I think we're gonna be fine either way. The key is gonna just be win at TCU. Uh, do not somehow choke away this conference championship. Yeah. But that that's a game that I'm gonna say we win by twenty points at TCU. I was looking at their past games. We've been saying they're kind of scary. They have been stinky. So the last Iowa State year. at home. I know Iowa State's a <laughs> tournament team, but Iowa State's bad, man. They're not very good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I well, could see I mean I could see our fans kind of being like melty, melting down if we lose Saturday just because the Big 12 race would get tighter. But I don't yeah. – like sometimes losing isn't the worst thing ever, like you guys said, to a top-10 team at home. Um, they're playing. I mean, they're playing for a lot. They're playing for the Big 12, playing for a top seed. So it's like wouldn't be the worst loss in the world. And I don't – especially, go, like you said, going into the tournament and stuff. So right. I don't, like I don't think it would be a terrible thing, like A.B. said. Well, I mean, yeah. even if they do lose Saturday and win out, win the Big 12 tournament, then, like, they're probably still a one seed, if not the number one two seed, which is going to be in Chicago, Midwest. We avoid yeah. playing in Philly or San Antonio or against Gonzaga in their region. So, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want this to come off as me rooting for a loss. Like, <laughs> like you said, if there was one game to choose to lose, that would probably be the one. Yeah. But also, we could still get that number one overall if we won this game. It's crazy True. as it sounds because Gonzaga probably won't lose to any team in their conference, but yeah, only six point favorites tomorrow and Saturday. I'll be locked in Ooh. on Saturday. I think they absolutely smoke San Francisco, but St. Mary's <clears throat> they always give them a little game. Can you imagine our episodes if we're the number one overall? I mean, they'll be <laughs> like we're. You imagine be- our episode when we're number one overall and we choke in March. Stop. Let's end I'm it on that note. I'm just saying, like, if we, we watch Selection Sunday, we're the number one overall. We're going to be spitting takes. Yeah. Yeah. We need it. We need it. We deserve it. We've had zero March fun since 2020 this podcast is started. bullshit, dude. I couldn't stop <laughs> thinking about the 2020 team all last year. Can night. you stop tweeting about that? I'm, every time I get on Twitter, it's like, oh, this team would have won it all. I We get it. Please stop ruining my day every two hours. Dude, college basketball sucked that year. All right, we need to wrap this up. I'm ready for bed. Um, Ah, you old man. Yeah, it's tough. Um, B-Turn will be up another eight hours. Uh, I went to bed at 10 this morning. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that's it, folks. As always, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm riding the hot. I got the Hawks Saturday. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a great game. I'm I'm so excited for March. This is going to be – it just it's start, I'm starting to get the feeling of March and I'm I'm watching old YouTube videos, all that. 
It's here. I'm loving it. And this uh, is March. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Rock out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.